0: My name is Mike uh, and I'm an assistant professor at the security Department here at LSE. I'm really, really thrilled to be chairing this session, and um, really happy uh, to be welcoming Leila uh, to, to LSE. Um, uh, I mean, we have so much me to to discuss, but let me kind of like give you a bit of a, the plan of the session. Uh, so, we'll start off with, uh, with Leila speaking a little bit about the work. Uh, and then we'll have a few questions and then we'll open it up for everybody. Uh, we don't have a lot of time, but uh we'll be able to cover everything for a or some, weeks, okay. some of the things. Um, so, yeah, uh, just a quick note to people who are joining us on Zoom. Um, if um you would like to ask a question uh, during the QA session, please type it in, in the QA a box. Uh and also please note that the event is going to be recorded or is being recorded. Uh and yeah, that's it. Let me maybe start with uh, introducing a uh, speaker. Um so Leila Dakhil is a full-time researcher in modern history at the French Centre of International Research, a member of the Centre of Social History of the Contemporary World. Her work deals with the study of Arab intellectuals and social history of the South Mediterranean, with a particular focus on the history of women and the question of exile intellectuals and activists. Her first research focused on the Arab intellectuals in Ilhad Shem, Syria in Lebanon. Uh, at the beginning of the 20th century, she then explored the printing culture of Jerusalem at the turn of the 19th and 20th centuries, looking also more globally at the question of languages in the Middle East and North Africa. Since 2012, she applies the methodologies of social history and anthropology to explore the uprisings and revolutions in the post colonial southern Mediterranean, and more specifically in Tunisia. She's the principal investigator of the ERC funded program BIM, uh Drafting and Enacting the Revolution in the Irish Mediterranean. She's a member of the ACSS working group, Gendering the Archive in the Middle East and North Africa, and Berlin-based conceptual collaboration, uh, living borderless uh, research interaction. I was like CO2. <laughs> um, And uh, Sara Salem is a professor in the Department of Sociology here at LSE. Her main research interests include political sociology, post colonial studies, Marxist theory, feminist theory, and global histories of empire and imperialism. Sara is an editor at the journal Sociological Review. (laughs) Not anymore. Work work's work explores the connection between post-colonial theory and Marxism with specific attention to the context of Egypt in the period of decolonization in the mid 20th century. He's particularly interested in questions of traveling theory, post-colonial anti-colonial nationalism and the afterlives of an entanglement of European empire in the East. is the author of Anti-colonial Afterlives in Egypt, published by Cambridge Press in 2022. So, uh, yeah, welcome. Uh, welcome, Leila, one more time. And... <laughs> <laughs> thank you, man. You're from next door. Um, so, maybe uh, start us off by speaking a little bit about your, your research. Yeah. Yeah, I have a quick PowerPoint. I usually don't like PowerPoints. I still don't like PowerPoints, but I think it's better to be quick and show some things. So, first, I would like to thank you for the invitation. Thank you Thanks to the Business Centre and thank you for coming and I'm really thrilled to have your feedback today. This is a work, um, it's a process. I've been working on archives since quite a few years now and trying to understand what's happening with the, and how we can make a history of archive connected to the history of struggles and revolutions in the region through this program that was mentioned called DREAM. I'll be happy to tell more after if we need to but this is a specific project uh, on uh, particular experiences with archives. And um, so my question at the beginning uh, is a question of time as a historian. And I wanted to know uh, what kind of relationship uh, there is between archiving and uh, the question of time generally. Does it have only to do with the past? Or is it something that is telling us something about the future or the projections uh, that uh, revolutionary actors have? <clears throat> so, as you know, this last period in the region was a very uh, difficult period and a time when politics was, as was said, uh, no longer expressed in the form of an open future. Uh, projections what a bright future, seemed uh, to fade, and political utopias had been, or it seemed that they had been swept away by history and by repression. So in this perspective, I will be looking at archives as a tool to understand what kind of projections are happening now in the political experiences, in the Arab political experiences. So what I'm trying to show here is that the revolution and uh, the subsequent years that took place in the region have marked a new relationship to time, which is inscribed in a form of acceleration, or rather of a temporal telescoping that integrates the full present, the presence in the streets, for example, in the time of revolutionary action, but also some kind of projection or attention to possibility or potential futures. So there is not one single space of projection, nor a common space of projection uh, seen as a horizon, but rather the construction along the way of revolutionary practices and communities. So in this sense, I think that contemporary revolts participated in a deconstruction of the temporal linearity, of Western modernity, not only in the form of a critique of it, but also in the form of experiences of different practices of the time. So, so, so I'm going to try to look at it uh, conceptually, but also very practically. So this is the introduction; is a little bit conceptual, but then I will try to see in a different example. So. I will look at practices of archives uh, and archiving stories and histories, and itineraries of people with their archives, which I call producers. We'll see how we can call them these people. And so I I will be focusing on three specific archival projects. One is uh, the creative memory. Sorry, I'm like of the we can't see that. Sorry, it's my first question, you can do that, I think. <laughs> Creative memory of the Syrian revolution, thank you, created by Sana Yazidi. The second one is uh, a Nigerian experience, the archives of women's struggle in Algeria, created by Awel Hawati and Sadia Gassim. And the third one is a little bit different because it wasn't born during the time, specifically during the time of revolutions, let's say, but some years before. Uh, And it's also the uh, the only one created by a man. It's the the archives of the Committee of Families of the Disappeared and Kidnapped in Lebanon, created by uh, Hassan Halwani. So let me just try to look at these three experiments. I don't have so much time, so I'll be quick. The first one, I'm using the first one, the Creative Memory of the Syrian Revolution, to talk about The first aspect, archiving as a consignment of present and past struggle. The idea that you archive just to have a trace of what is happening or what has happened. So in the project that was created by Sana, uh, the space of the archives is conceived as a space of care that initially engaged a vision of the future she's given the care to the archive is a way of telling the story of what was the dream of the revolution she actually stated it like this and uh, the first movement that sana accomplished uh, creating this archive is as she said find the politics behind the silence she says so she creates this space of archive as a dissonance space for archives to actually face what was happening in, in, uh, in Syria at the time. So when she decided to collect the artistic productions of the Syrian revolution, her motivation, as she said, was rooting, rooted sorry, in a desire to find her place in what was happening in Syria. She was at the time in Lebanon and she decided this was the way she could also act as a revolutionary. While the revolution had to find channels to transmit its messages, one of the method used, sorry, was to make available the militant artistic works, sorry, that were springing up and abounding on social networks. So the revolutionary moment absorbed Sana while she was still in the real, in the present, and she found herself obsessed with the question of memory without knowing how to handle it she realized that she was in a position to act as a channel. As many others were relaying, translating, exporting on the networks or in the media, she decided to collect what was seen or circulating in the street and in uh, the networks. Then she was manufacturing herself her place in the struggle and uh, finding her place. So the creative memory of the Syrian revolution project joined others to collect a living memory that narrated a revolution in the making. This is what also animated other projects uh, that I won't mention here, but we can go back to this. These actions took place according to a different temporality, I guess, than that of the revolutionaries on the ground, who of course, didn't have time to do this kind of collection the collectors were situated or situated themselves in a longer time frame the fight against oblivion was the powerful driving force behind these initiatives so in their own words they rejected rejected sorry a culture of erasure that was manufactured and maintained by the regime so you have in this situation let's say face to face the revolutionary actors that act Uh, to protect the memory of the revolution, of the ongoing revolution. So these archival projects are meant in this context as a cultural evidence to imagine futures unbound by the oppression of the present. The second example I have is the one of Algeria. Both, or all three examples, could fit to the different uh, themes I decided to develop today but I, I will stick to one for each part let's say. The second way of practicing archive during struggles is to develop a safe space for fragile or precarious memories for today and also for tomorrow. During the Algerian Hirak, a reflection on public space quickly accompanied the marches and the various demonstra- demonstrations. First of all, it was evident that a common space was being reopened and explored in a country where emergency laws has closed off, access to the streets for more than a generation, and where multiple acts of violence had hampered the ability to meet or to trust one another. So the first event of February 2019 was indeed the creation and maintenance of a public space open to all. This desire for communality was forged in the days and weeks that followed, occurring simultaneously with attempts to think together about the terms of this communality. The initiative, Archives of Women, uh, was an initiative to collect feminist archives, and it was uh, seen as a way of reappropriating the past. The movement drew on a history of feminism too long buried and caricatured. And you remember traumas and impulses for years past, especially uh, the the 80s and the 90s. So they decided to start Awel Hawati. So you see them, caring is the first they did, curating. So they were just calling through Facebook uh, to collect past documentation about past movement, past, past feminist movement. Their own encounter between Awel and Saadia happened during the time of the Hirak, and the archival gestures were carried by the mobilization, creating links between them. Awel and Saadia visited the activists and were entrusted with documents that they lived through and digitized with care. They created a curatorial space that brought into play precisely the attention and care expressed and necessary to preserve without necessarily even focusing on the collection at first they were just carrying and digitizing and and, and distributing in during the, the demonstration you can see this here mm-hmm. um, so as many memories and anecdotes began to circulate then manufactured a space for them enacting a call on Facebook for the collection and gradually acquiring the tools they needed. So they purchased the scanner through crowdfunding and got in touch with archival practitioner to refine their craft. And they started building the collection, you can see here, uh, exposed in uh, documenta in Germany here on the right-hand side and in an exhibition in Algiers on the left-hand side. So the exchanges that uh, one could read, for example, in the Facebook pages at the time were also expressing this communication that was rebuilt through the archives. Um, And they were more in-depth guiding the collectors, researchers were uh, dialoguing or uh, discussing with different people who were interested uh, by what they were posting regularly on Facebook. The communities constituted around the archives progressively constructed ways of proceeding and also an ethic of the archive that I could describe as a radical one. They examined the very meaning and presence of the archive in the contemporary world and raised new questions about the presuppositions of a science of the archive that is too often associated with the state and with institutions, but also with knowledge. as historians use it. So this radicalism coming from the practitioners or the, the, the activists themselves, themselves sorry, was seen as a reflection of contemporary revolts and revolution. It placed at the centre the notion of dignity, here attributed to all the gestures and envelopes of the archive. So Awel and Sardia participated in a lot of workshops when they decided to turn that collection into an archive. But they always kept asking questions about what was the best way to put them into in dialogue in, in uh, sorry in a common dialogue with the struggles that were going on in Algeria. Last. The last example is the one of the archives of the Disappeared and the Committee of the Disappeared and Kidnapped in Lebanon. It's it's another kind of archive, let's say. Um, I would say that uh, this, uh, I take it as an example, sorry, of uh, the way producer uh, of archives do with the archives or live with the archives. Uh, In the example of Uh, Hassan Halwani, you may know uh, his work as an artist. Uh, Here is a picture of his uh, movie movie called Erased Ascent of the Invisible. Uh, Of course, uh, in his case, there is a very intimate relationship between him and the archives he has in his hand. Let's say he inherited uh, from uh, the work of his mother, Uh, who founded the Committee of Families uh, of the uh, Kidnapped and the Disappeared. So he actually developed a very specific way to, not very specific, but very personal way to deal with uh, the archive. Uh, He got, he lived his whole whole, life, childhood and then his whole life with the archive growing let's say in his house and he described this as something that was always there but not really he didn't like this presence oh, he was like at the end of the of his childhood he was even um, sleeping in a bed and under the bed uh, the archive were was were just stored under his bed Um, And so he could feel the presence of these archives in his home uh, for all this time without exactly knowing what was his particular relationship to this. But he could see his mother accumulating documentation. He was also helping her a lot. So he knew the practice of the archives. And she was not telling that she was doing an archive. This was just the tool for the struggle of the committee. She had to. Uh, to actually to to preserve all these documents, to have them and to be able to fight for the rights uh, of the families. But like from this being with the archive and living with the archives, he developed something very specific, I think, uh, because at some point he decided during uh, the attack the Israeli attack of 2006 on Lebanon, because he had to move uh, these archives from the house of his mother to another place he decided that these archives were not uh, to to stay in a a private place. They had to become something that he calls now archives. Um, And so the whole process of transforming this very familiar accumulation of documentation into something that can be called an archive or archives in the plural. He, uh, so he, he did it uh, himself, with the help of other people, very progressively tried to invent new forms of curating and caring for documentation, but also, while doing this, he encountered a lot of help, support, generous help, for, for example, from NGOs and so on, but then faced to this NGOization of the question of archives. He also decided that it was not enough to just accumulate, collect, select, and uh, and create an archive. Uh, but in his position, he thought he had to create narratives coming from the archives and use uh, his own tools also to create his, uh, these narratives. So one is, of course, uh, the way he uh, showed this. The way he actually this comes from a very moving story I don't know if I have time to say this but like he at one point uh, one organization in Lebanon organized an, ex- an exhibition on the disappeared and so they made this uh, big uh, um, what is it um, sorry like the, the words come in German and French but not English mm-hmm. <laughs> Poster, yeah, exactly. Uh, With uh, the photographs of all the disappeared that came from his own or like the family, uh, the committee's archive. But then uh, he wasn't aware of this and he was just in the street in Hamra in Lebanon and he saw, like he felt more than he saw, the presence of something. And so he turned to this poster and he saw his own other uh, on the streets, on the wall, and so from this shock, which uh, emotional shock, and then he started also drawing because it was a little bit uh, uh, erased, as it said, but apart from the idea of seeing it erased, it also raised a lot of questions, and this is where he started to think about like building an archive as something that has something to tell with the people, not only uh, about uh, the disappeared, but also about their very, uh, very presence. So he started to do this kind of things, like going back to this uh, poster with the photographs and giving the informations he had through the archives. Some of them had names, then some of them had like stories and and so on and so forth. So this is a very radical way to deal with archives also, and very specific. So what am I now with these histories? Um, I think that at the end of this research, I'm not at the end, but like it's, it's a long journey uh, with these people and with these archives. I, I still don't know how to call them. I told you I call them producer because this is how we call them usually. Uh, we call the, the, you can have, in, in the field of archives, you have archivists, you have collectors, you have producers. Producers are those who actually organize archives. And this is what they do, but they don't only do that. They also fight with the archives, they also build narratives with the archives. So I still don't know how to, how to name them. Maybe this could be one of the discussions we have together. Um, <clears throat> What I know is that through the archives, they are trying to write histories, or potential histories, for and of the future. And this is what I'm trying to deal with now. That is to say they do not accomplish the classic work of the historian who would come to size the past through documents, but another work that is immediately placed in conversation with possible futures. From a present that we seek to circumscribe a state of memory, erasure, normalization, rewriting in process, they build open traces, but they also give new narrative. Much more by their, by their own belonging to the protest movements in progress in the region, they propose by their very archiving processes, visions of the future nourished by the echoes of the past. And with the fidelity to the struggle with which preceded them uh, was. So they come with archiving, with the gesture of archiving, to tell us about uh, the time that was taking shape in the different places, for example, during the revolutions. But precariousness is an essential dimension of this activity of archiving. It meets the whole philosophy and anthropology nourished by the feminist thought which made memory a means to fight. The practice of the archive, collecting, caring, curating, leads, in my opinion, to a feminist standpoint epistemology, even though not declared as such. I hope we will have also the occasion to discuss this. Mm-hmm. The perspective they built is linked in a more global way to the fights of what we wrongly qualify as fights of minorities and contributes to give it shape. They engage in an economy of time, non-linear and circulatory as a proposal to undermine the authoritarian capitalist economy. So analysis of these independent archival projects raises the question of temporalities at work in contemporary struggles. They bring into play a relationship to time that breaks with the so-called modern time that was embodied in the states and in its institutions. Sorry. So they take a critical look at the accelerated time of neoliberal globalization. The transformation of this relationship to time are taking place both at the collective level and within the intimacy of the producers, collectors, or whatever we call them but also transmitters of militant archives in search of both a good distance and a good proximity, which does justice and ensures a real understanding of the issues at stake in the young giant struggles. Thank you. I hope it isn't too long. Thank you so much, Leila. This was uh, really incredible. And, um, I read the piece in detail, and because there's so many questions, we have composite questions. Mm-hmm. No, 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 no. I hope I hope uh, uh, we're able to address some of them. Um, so I guess the first question we were thinking about is um, on short history. Uh, so why is it the case that? People experiencing revolutions um, as it's happening are thinking about historical practices, archiving, looking at history, the revolutionary citation. Like I'm thinking, you mentioned you mentioned that the piece, um, and, and you showed also the picture of uh, of women during the Hiraq, uh, showing posters uh, of the 1990s. Uh, and so what does it mean to think about that revolutionary citation and why do we actually do that? Like why do we think, why do we think revolutionary moments are moments to think about history, but also other things as well? Uh, and I'm thinking, you know, you mentioned in your paper, um, you were kind of thinking through the Benjaminian, like autonomy's thought a little bit. Uh, so is it about that, you know, that angel of history, like turning to the back, but also moving forward? Um, and I was also thinking about uh, the work of Kristin Ross uh, on the Paris Commune, uh, when she speaks about survie uh, life beyond life. It uh, the a kind of a continuation of the struggle uh, by other means. Uh, and this is like the story of like citing and speaking from the present to the past, uh, we see a lot, and like, what is that about? And maybe sort of want to pick up on that. Yeah. Yes. A composite question. The composite question. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. Thank you so much, Leila. This was such an amazing paper, and it made me think of a million questions, but I narrowed it down. Just a um, but I think I was really struck by the phrase that you also use now, where you said, "You know, the revolutions was a time when politics was no long, longer expressed." it came at a time when politics was no longer expressed as an open future. And I was really interested in this idea that the revolution kind of disrupted this time of uncertain time where almost I read it as almost a resistance to thinking about future or even the past. And the present becomes this very overwhelming um, state and how the revolution, but also archiving, becomes a technique of disrupting some of those separations. Um, and you have this amazing line where you talk about the linear arrow of time, um, and I wonder if you could talk more about this idea of archiving as a practice of collapsing time, because I think, like May was saying, there is this important thing about the past and you know moments of past uh, revolution or moments of past struggle, but also of the future, where future suddenly becomes something imaginable or something that's being created in the present. And I was thinking also, the feminist work around a rehearsal for the future that is happening even in, in the present. And so I wondered if you could talk more about that. And also you, you speak about the different temporalities of revolution. So there's revolutionary time, but there's also archiving time, but they're kind of happening at the same the same frame. And so does that, is there a way we can also think of archiving time as part of revolutionary time, but a very different um, way of Engaging in revolution that again blurs these very straightforward ideas of what time is or what time feels like. And yeah, whether also states of like hope or optimism performance um open that up in a way that revolutions open those even a very brief, and I think it's very painful when those moments close up again. But how the archiving is that a way of also engaging it? Oh, thank you. <laughs> so now I have to come. <laughs> I think it's difficult to answer altogether to both questions. What um, is about that? Uh, I see two things in your question first uh, about history and the use of the past in the revolts themselves or in the
1: movements
0: in the revolts. Uh, one is one brings a big question about like what is history? <laughs> like in, in the minds of the people. What is, is it because you feel that you're living a historic moment? In, in this sense, you bring back history, uh, like to, I don't know, gather some kind of historical moment. Um, or is it um, that um like we are like somehow acting as if there was this linear continuation of history and then uh, putting ourselves themselves as actors, revolutionary actors, as the futures, the future of this past history. So we are the continuation um um these are open questions, I guess, like. Uh, I, I asked uh, a well about this, just sort of like bringing back the the, the memories or the, the pictures of uh, nineteen eighty eight or, <laughs> or nineteen ninety yeah, demonstration into the hill. And she said, um, she said she didn't she didn't know. I mean, she she doesn't know now why she did it, uh, but she wanted to start a discussion, and this is what happened. Discussion. So going back to what was happening at the time, so I think it's feeding somehow uh, the the very brief and very sudden moments of revolutionary moments with some kind of an opening of time, like being it's the past, discussing about what happened in the past, or uh bringing this to a common future. So it's like. It's also related to the fact that there is a lot of silence uh, in between um, these moments of surprises and silence between generations, and like uh, no, not a lot of circulation of just stories. Uh, so I. <laughs> So then maybe uh, I can combine. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> no, because yeah. I not uh, You're right. <laughs> it was also. Um, yeah, and this is why I think it's, in my opinion, like looking at this, uh, the use of archiving, but also the use of history uh, more generally, uh, in 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 the context of uh, revolutions, um, tells us a lot about uh, the way we are trying to um, to give a sense uh, to our relation to time generally. like and, and not being trapped um, in something that also could be like the repetition of the same things again and again. So bringing back and bringing back memory is also a way to say, okay, this happened. Uh, this has happened and even if we relate to this, we know what happened, we know what happened also after. I mean, it's a reminder of, uh, of the connections uh, between cycles, let's say, of struggles, but also uh, kind of, uh, it has some kind of magical use in, in terms of, I see it like this, but also some people talk about the, this uh, archival work, as something that has a connection to magic uh, because uh, um, also because it's it's playing in a way uh, 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 this uh, this very um, this use of icons this, un- uh, this use of like words also the way you can repeat new words uh old words and make them new again I mean, this kind of things it's also i like the the idea of rehearsing it has to do be because we are in a Process of rehearsing again and again. So, yes, um, I didn't. I don't think I used the word hope oh, uh, um, because it's uh, yeah a bit difficult to to to, to use. The, I mean, in the time of protest, it's really there, but I would I wouldn't I can't see it very much in the in the in the work of archiving. Um, it's it's not about hope. It's more about like uh, um, living uh, living traces, but also like processing this trace and There's this idea of like being in the in, in the experiment. Also, this is why I, I mean it's not something that that is there for after something. I mean maybe I know I know we can think of hope in different ways, but like like if we think of hope at very Traditionally, uh, radically tradition there is something of projection that is not there completely in the in the act of maybe I think mean. uh well I mean we also had like we talked I mean, you kind of touched upon yeah. this a little bit on, on temporalities and I don't know want to say more on that on we before um but basically you spoke today, but also in the piece about disrupting the kind of the linear temporality of Western modernity, basically. Mm -hmm. Uh, And that something about those archives does that. And the way you described in the piece, in paper, uh, this kind of linear temporality of Western modernity is with its, um, uh, what did you call it, um, arrogant universalist things. Mm -hmm and i was thinking i mean there's i mean we have so, so, so many questions about like revolutionary temporality and it's something like linear temporality but but perhaps maybe uh, can i ask something about that claim of arrogant universalist uh, uh, claims because obviously yes uh but also revolutions and revolutionary temporalities are also maybe ways for us to um, think about universals, uh, and not necessarily in the Arab and linear way. So the typical kind um, of tension between having the French Revolution as like the, the model of revolution versus thinking about the Haitian Revolution, a hmm. uh, slave revolt basically, as as the as the model, which potentially could produce other kind uh, universals. So I was wondering have you know, any thoughts around this um well my critique is not towards universalism say but like it comes from something that is very paradoxical for me because like having is very much about being arrogant you <laughs> it's if there is something that we actually you know, like like there's uh, like, like, so something that Europeans or the North claims to have is archive, mm-hmm. and so in the like looking at these uh, experiences with archivists like why are they archiving like from the beginning it's really a question for me like this is crazy like why? like do you do you have time for this while you're know, being in the streets and fighting and do you have time for or is it worth it do we need this now I mean you can create other forms of like also feminism have been like um, interrogating these practices of um, of archiving and you know and so I wanted to dig into that to find why it was important that I I it, I saw it's something really important um, when I discovered that this was also a way to, to, to we should have another word, in, in <laughs> but like, a, a way to create a, another uh, kind of archive that actually brings a product, plurality of, of visions, narratives, universals mm-hmm. uh, that uh, we can relate to, mm-hmm. uh, not only because they are not. State archive, not the, whole, the, the only point. It's also because they have been like all these producers go through processes of finding ways to uh, establish differently uh, these arguments. and that, It's also like, when when I just discussed with them, it's it's always about traps. You know, okay, I've been trying this, and this doesn't work because it looks like else or it brings back this problem and this other problem so i tried this one so i tried so i mean this is really it's like also when you're in the street and you're trying to find a way to face repression or to so and you don't exactly know what you are doing but you are creating this space that is your common space and i think this is how i see the process of archiving in this so of course it creates new alternatives and new universals that you and these ones I am trying to, 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 to yeah to, to understand through the archives like this um, this use of uh, the curating, not only caring but creating also this was something that was a big question for me why is that so that they want to do art with archives so much all of them mm-hmm. so what is this uh, space that is created but it means a lot at the end it means that this is, this space we create now as considered as something that is not an elitist space, but something that is appropriable. yeah, almost mm-hmm. for everybody, let's say. Um, yeah. So this is a new universal. I mean, another way to, have to think about the universality of uh, the world. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Maybe <laughs> next, next question. question. Um, which I think we were also really interested in this, uh, the, the points you make about feminist archiving, especially around the fragility of struggle and the fragility of archives, not necessarily as a negative thing, but also like a more um, honest reflection of, of archives. And on the other hand, attention, you also mentioned now of also the political urgency or need to connect Things because of how quickly the counter-revolution happened. Right. Thinking about Egypt, for instance, it was very quick that even videos suddenly are disappearing mm-hmm. and the, the narrative is being rewritten very strongly. And so there's clearly is an urgency also behind the impulse to, to archive, for instance, or collect. Yeah. Versus, I guess, you know, the how feminists have written about should we to interrogate also those impulses towards collection, towards um, curating the choices that we make. Um, And I was thinking here also about archiving in the present, which is very different than archiving a past where maybe nostalgia is a very active sometimes for for some some of us thinking about anti-colonial pasts, whereas archiving the present is a very different um, type of archiving. But I was wondering what you were talking about this te- if, if it's the tension between being critical of this of archiving and ridical to archive, even if and quite radical archives, but also on the other hand, that's the to document to, 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 to Marie. And whether also the idea of care then becomes crucial or, or the way you focus on collective care. And then an archive that process comes out of that rather than mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. reading, but that we do have to think about these things while archiving mm-hmm. things are a thing the uh, Yeah, just like just to add to this, like the question of care comes up a lot and uh, <laughs> uh in the workshop in Beirut, uh mentioned uh, uh, spoken about the archivists and, and the librarians as kind of socially reproducing the academy, um, which kind of brings in this whole kind of literature and sort of activism on social reproduction. Uh but you don't draw too much on that, but you mentioned care a lot. So no. yeah, so maybe also know. like yeah. I think uh one of the way to, um, I'm not sure, I, I know there is a, there is a tension. But I think it's, it's already there. And like most of my intellectuals have this tensions in mind from the beginning. And so they tend to find one solution is to really uh, think uh, about who, who they are doing this for. Um, so it's like that, it's as if they're taking the stage to another place uh, to try and say, so, okay, we are doing this collection, we are in this emergency, and this is somehow problematic, but like we, we, we bring it back to the into the struggles so, so that it is appropriated in the moment. So, This is about doing it in the present, uh, and it changes somehow this position of being the collector. It's also the position of the emergency. Both are a little bit uh, transformed by this, because the emergency uh, integrates the past in its own emergency. So like you have to deal with uh, the time of the present with the echoes of the past through the archives. So I think it brings some kind of complexity that is, uh, yeah, it's, it's a little bit of uh, <coughs> disrupting this time of the emergency. And in the same time, the act of collecting um, is also uh, redistributed in the moment. Yeah. Uh, so I think this is, it's not the case for everybody because Dr. Like, Hassan, he is keeping uh, the archives until now, like this is very, sitting very slowly in the process so, so he has this very clear uh, statement about being slow uh, so it could be also a, an answer uh, i don't know so retaining you know, really um, and i don't remember uh, the chair yeah the chair yeah i know it's it's um the same answer because it's not the same but like it's never it's a never-ending process because they know they are also reproducing they know so much that they are reproducing because they they're all have been participating in so many workshops and learning a lot with all specialists and so on and when i was talking to them they were all of them brought this question along without having I didn't have to question about that, uh, because this is where also their own capacity to think, their own practice comes from. Uh, so they are in the in the same time, they know that they have to follow some rules, mm-hmm. uh, but they question the rules and they reappropriate them. So it's for the three of them, it's different, I would say, uh, but like especially uh, in Algeria, and, and they took this radical uh, decision to be um, practical, mm-hmm. you know, to be like with the material and like to, um, this is what is guiding what they're doing. Um, I would say that for Sanae, it's a little bit different because because of what is happening in it's Syria awesome. and also because uh, she's mainly dealing with the um, digital archiving. So she has this technical questions that are she's facing all the time this question. So yeah, of course like the structure is also at some points uh very important to look at. But this was not my my question for, for now. I was looking more at them and the way they were um proceeding as a gesture of archiving. So and in this sense I think it's it's really about Caring, uh-huh. um, but I we have so many other questions and like <laughs> all the beams and gestures and no, disease, no. but I think we, we should open it up uh, to everybody if you have any thoughts or questions. But maybe okay. <laughs> um, so, can I ask you if you're going to ask a question? Just introduce yourself uh, and yeah, <laughs> a question or comment. <laughs> That's question. Well, if you have any questions, st- start formulating them because we have a we have a couple of more questions. Um, I guess maybe let's let's uh, talk about dreams a little bit because um, it's. I mean, you mentioned dreams briefly with the Asim Hossain quote, but also dreams evoke so much else. What uh, uh, I think I, I might. I can I can bring it out for everybody here, I think. But there was something when I was reading this called that's really sad, you know, uh that because you know, we say, you know, like you know, you don't pay money to read, right? Like, you know, so you can do, you know, you can have people who quickly about this in your presentation. Um so First, like so, the, the quote is I mean, the, the, the quote from Yassine Hassan, who's like a Syrian writer and intellectual based in Berlin, uh, was about the dream that Syria become kind of like a normal society. You know, this is the dream for it to become a normal society. Um, versus the dreams during the revolutionary moment, uh. And of course, this has a lot to do with the time and in the future <laughs> and collective dreaming and collective awakening. Uh, so I was wondering if you have any thoughts that are reflections on the question of dreams. Yeah, I started because it could be read like this, uh, but it's also what I like about it is that it's very intimate and, and simple dreams. Um, and it's not only about having a normal society, it is really having a life. It's not about society, if you read it, I mean, it's really about, you know, being a human, having a life. It's really that. And I think it gives another dimension. And this is more generally, would say, in the research I'm doing a little on the on the revolt, something that comes very often. What are you dreaming of? And, and, and for me, the keyword word is karma. What is karma? What is dignity in this sense? It's not like, you know, like horizon of evolution and free, freedom of you know, society. It's yeah. really about life, what makes sense as a life. Uh, uh, so, And yes, I think these practices of archiving are also about that. Uh, They're not bringing, um, they're making it uh, also, I'm just going to say, affordable Mm -hmm. (laughs) to, yeah, to to access uh, not only what is happening now, but also the dreams of past revolts and to see how simple also they were, like how simply expressed they were and how no, it's, it's all about, yeah, uh, I think it's one of the, also the feminist dimension of these revolts. Um, it's not something that brings sadness for me, it's something that brings uh, materiality, uh, um, some kind of um, intimate relation to politics, you know, the way it's, um, it's not only about constitution sense and whatever flows and Borders, but also about like the yeah, your home, home your yeah. territory, and, and, and so mm-hmm. So, maybe it's <laughs> uh, I should have uh, maybe commented it in uh-huh. this sense, uh-huh. but it's also because it's he's speaking about the book of Samira, and yeah, that's uh, so it's really about uh, it's the dreams she had to mm-hmm. Syria. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> yeah. yeah, so this materiality is very important mm-hmm. and very clear in the way nice sense in the way uh, uh, these are, are chief producers <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> so, yeah, <laughs> you should find the another <laughs> uh are working mm-hmm. yeah it's me before i before i just before i give the floor to me just to say that it's mean created this yeah. conversation and really okay. grateful that you gave us this opportunity with us on the island uh so go ahead <laughs> <laughs> And, um, yeah. um, I, I I have a very brief um, question actually on the as we're speaking feminist standards.
1: Um Is there something about the
0: practice of archiving that allows us to understand better um, feminist revolutionary acts that could not actualize in other revolutionary forms that were relegated? to the space of memory-making in a way where it's feminized. And I don't say this in the sense that I personally think. Uh, I think it's very critical work, but I'm, I'm trying to understand more the gender dimensions of it. I know we mentioned that some were women, maybe mostly. I know it's not always the case, but um, I'm interested in this kind of question. And along with that, kind of you know you're looking a lot into the, archiving as a emotive or effective endeavor. So just in my thoughts. Well thank you. Thank you for organizing this first. Thank you for the question. Uh, I'm not sure I can answer it completely, but what I think is at stake also is this division between memory and archive. Uh, which is something that us as historian Deal a lot with and like to state, you know, it's not the same. So, I, I think, uh, yeah, we yeah. have to put this into question a lot, and it's coming uh, also from these practices. Uh, and why I call them, I mean, it could because it, it brings also this division between like memory is for the myth and, and, and archive for the members. So, so I think like in, in, in practicing archives this way, um, like the activists, but it's not only about like our region, it could be extended elsewhere. I can see it in a lot of community archives and, and so on. These practices are bringing, uh, I think, uh, a, a feminist, but it could be for everybody, of course, <laughs> Uh, way of um, reaching memory and history and, and archiving and uh, and um, collecting whatever. Um, uh, so I think it's also about as as I tried to say it about time. I think it's also the things with these categories. I mean, like it's, it's challenging these categories through uh, a feminist standpoint, um, and then. Um, the second part of the question was sorry, but uh, it's because one that we focus on the attack. It? Oh yeah, but yeah. um, well, it's difficult. Um, um, well, I do try to work on this, but I still uh, I, I I need a lot of time to think about <laughs> uh, all these things. So I don't want to say something that I don't really um i'm sure i I agree with myself so i'm not i'm gonna i'm not gonna answer today but i hope to be able to answer in a couple of months (laughs) we have a question from the zoom Uh, thanks Um, can you discuss ways we can think about archival practices that remain bound by oppression of present practices informed by state surveillance and have to stress. yes sure uh thank you for the question um i mean it's it's like somehow behind all what i said also i didn't focus on this um because it's maybe uh, what is usually discussed there are two things that may be discussed about archives let's say one is access and it's usually about like in the academics not being able to access the <laughs> so we talk about, that, about ourselves so we talk about that and the second thing is about um, oppression and repression and it's also let's say uh, discussion uh, that is very much in between uh, activists in a way to say Um, but there are of course strategies and and uh, and this is something that is very much discussed among uh, producers of archives because it's uh, uh, they are doing you have to protect your archive you have to find ways to to protect funds but also to give uh, echoes to the archive so the core of activity or practices there is this question so most of them are trying to find ways to yeah to store to to connect in a way or another so but it's a whole other question so I didn't focus on this now just. Yeah, of other questions, they actually in this question they raise a lot of questions that um, have to do with uh, being a specialist or not uh, being in capacity to deal with the, uh, technical protections and so on. So I think also in this area, and you were mentioning Hannah uh, and all these people, they are trying to. To put this also into the the, the struggle as i mean to, to democratize or to give uh, uh, more and more tools to more people to be able to to, you know, to face these challenges in terms of security uh, we're approaching the other side so if you have questions prepare them quickly uh, but dina do you wanna yeah Um, so if I'm not mistaken, some of your other work deals with archives of the post-colonial kind of revolution, and I was just wondering if you could reflect a little bit on the different kinds of archives that come out of these two moments in terms of maybe technology, but also who's doing it, but what we consider is relevant for the archive of the revolutionary moment. I just see the microphone came on. Now. <laughs> I, I think I got it. Okay. <laughs> Sorry. So well, what happened before the revolutionary moments? So if comparing we... the nineteen fifties basically to now, and yeah. like the stories that come out of these different moments t- to prepare the archives. In your experience, what you see in these two? Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> uh, that's a big question. Um, it's big also because it's like the whole. Uh, Yeah, the whole region, so if you have different kinds, I actually wrote a chapter about that, like, but it was mainly about the question of, um, what's the role of the states, uh, yeah, concerning archiving in the region, so we have different cases in different countries, so it's difficult to answer very quickly to this question, but mainly what is new is this potentialities, lots of potentialities of like, doing archives on your own, by yourself, you know. The, but it has to do, it's it's linked to the revolutionary movements, but it's also, of course, linked to the, the technical and the modern, you know, the practicalities for this. Um, but then before, you have this turn of the, the post-colonial moment where the states, it, appropriated the, the colonial archives, and then most of them continued the work uh, of, uh, in the same way that we're doing it uh, during the colonial times. But also this, um, um, say, and there was this idea of like, the arrogance <laughs> uh, of being able, you know, it's the whole modernity thing. So you be when you're a modern state, you have modern archives. So the big deal was to become an archive that has its own uh, archives and its own uh, memory and very constructed way and so on. So it mm-hmm. happened differently in ways. So I don't want to get into these details. But, you know, you, we as modern independent state, we had to uh, join the archival you know progress Uh, but it was i said this this morning but i think in the region uh, the the attention to create i mean to create new archives or alternative archives came from the palestinian uh, case i mean the palestinians uh, because as they were not in this process of being post colonial um, They were creating alternative spaces for memory and for uh, archiving in the different countries of the world. So I think these models, uh, or oh, these became models for what we see now also as alternative uh, archiving in the Sure. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, if I want to draw yeah. very quickly history um, it, it didn't come from the critique of the modern state, mostly from practices that came uh, from the Palestinian history, as it is also you with know, a struggle. Yeah. Uh, there are no further questions. Uh, Maybe we can leave it here. Uh, thank you so much, Leila. Thank, thank you. It's incredible. Yeah. Uh, we, I mean, still have so many other questions, but so hopefully this would be a running conversation. Yeah, I hope so. Um, hopefully, okay. maybe, maybe Alessia bring Leila one more time. Uh, <laughs> uh, uh, nice. uh, so, so thank you so much, and thanks to to Milviz, and to Nadine and Yasmin uh-huh. for organizing and uh-huh. and for Sarah. Uh, I'm Salma. <laughs> I'm sorry, Salma. <laughs> uh, and thank you all for 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 attending.